So today on the Raw Food Health Empowerment Show, we have Susie Rogers Edmondson. Susie has been an occupational therapist since 1985. She's also a registered massage therapist, a yoga teacher, a facilitator of ancient rainbow uh, conscious healing, and a certified live food and lifestyle instructor since 2018. She has a master's in spiritual nutrition through the tutelage of holistic physician uh, Gabriel Cousins at the Tree of Life Rejuvenation Center. She's also a certified health coach and the lifestyle program she teaches has been instrumental in her recovery from an autoimmune illness similar to rheumatoid arthritis. And she's passionate about assisting others in their healing. Also, she's married to her college sweetheart and they have two children and three granddaughters. Susie, thank you so much for joining us on the Raw Food Health Empowerment Podcast. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. So you used to suffer from severe autoimmune arthritis. Tell me about that. What was your experience like with that? Uh, well, it was, it was quite a journey. Um, my experience really started out, um, I've been an occupational therapist since 1985. And so I've seen a lot of pain and suffering. And one of my very first jobs, I was, um, I was in charge of a, a rheumatology clinic and I would see these little old ladies come in in wheelchairs with their hands going sideways because of the joint deformity. And I would, one of the things I would do is I'd give them a tool to turn on their oven. There's a little tool that you can turn the knob. And it's kind of ironic now that I don't cook that that was part of what I did. And I remember thinking, um, is this all I can offer? You know, is this all I can do for these poor little people who really were in severe pain and on a lot of medication and their functional activity was very low and at high level of disability. So that was my first awareness of autoimmune illness. That was back in like, I don't know, 80, 85, 86, something like that, a long time ago. Um, and then I am um, about 10 years into my career, I became, well, I kind of became increasingly frustrated, but I was kind of aware of it at about 10 years into my career that everything that I had to offer as a traditional conventional OT was not enough to help my patients as much as I wanted to. And so then I began studying complementary methods, uh, beginning, I, I actually, I, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, um, but I was part of a spirituality group that was part of the Episcopal Church, and um, a person that was in the spirituality group gave me a book on hands-on healing, which I had never heard of, that's not something that's really was focused on in, in the church I attended, and various Episcopal churches I attended. Though obviously it's all over in the Gospels. I mean, Jesus talks about therapeutic touch all the time, you know, but I read the book and I was really intrigued. And I started praying for the gift of healing and not really even knowing what that was. I just knew I needed help. Um, and that led me to uh, study Reiki, which is a type of therapeutic touch, which was it's just wonderful. And I studied Reiki and then I taught Reiki for a while. And it's basically hands-on healing. Um, and after being trained in Reiki, I prayed what seemed like sort of a casual prayer. I just prayed asking what to eat to make the, um, the life force energy or the chi flow through as, um, as best it could. And all this information started coming my way on a raw vegan diet from different people, different directions, different forms, you know, a book, a lecture, uh, you know, just all kinds of different information I had never heard of 
a raw vegan diet. I mean, I'm from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. I mean, you just, that's not what people eat here. Yeah. In so um, it was brand new to me. I had never heard of it, uh, but I, it was very obviously the answer to my prayer. And I knew for sure it was because, you know, it just happened all of a sudden, different directions, different people who weren't related. And I didn't follow it. I did get a book on um, food preparation, raw vegan food preparation. And I remember looking through the recipes and I saw a recipe that called for miso and I was like, miso, what's that? Just, just mm -hmm. forget it, you know? And so I, I didn't do it. And then about three years later, uh, well, I, I had decided to study massage because I wanted something to go along with the Reiki. And so I was finishing massage school. I was actually at my state boards in Austin, Texas. And um, at my state boards, for my massage licensure, I noticed a little bit of tenderness in my hands, and that was my first symptom. And it, it was just a little bit, and I was like, "What? What's this? You know, I've never had that before." And then it progressed to the point where my shoulder pain and inflammation was so bad I couldn't put on my coat very well, and then I, you know, I couldn't walk all that well. And then it got to the point where many times I had a hard time even turning over in bed. Um, mm -hmm. A couple of times, my husband had to help me off the toilet. I had to get an elevated toilet seat, which is one of the things we recommend in OT for people who have these kinds of problems. And I saw the trajectory because because I'd been an OT. I mean, I saw where where it would go if I didn't do something. Mm -hmm. However, even with all of that, even with having been introduced to raw vegan diet. Uh, you know, at least the idea of it, and even knowing what could happen if I didn't get better, I still resisted. So I was diagnosed with undifferentiated connective tissue in the year 2000. Finally, for my 2007 New Year's resolutions, I decided to do a raw vegan diet and to do more yoga. But I knew I wasn't going to do yoga unless I had to because I was so fatigued all the time. I'd take three-hour naps and I'd still be tired. And also it was a major process for me to even get up off the floor. I mean, it was very awkward and took a lot of time for me to even get up off the floor. So, um, but I, I knew I wasn't going to do it unless I had to. So I enrolled in yoga teacher training and I know my teacher and the other students were, you know, puzzled as to why I thought I could ever teach yoga because I couldn't even get off the floor. But I, it was about five months of training and at, um, with doing the diet at the, graduation five months later um, I had been able to decrease my pain medication and I was able to teach a basic yoga class and my water bottle at graduation was across the gym floor and I got up and I started jogging towards my water bottle just spontaneously mm -hmm. and I was like I haven't done this in years you know that is just so cool and then I was sold on the diet because I mean, at that time, I'd been an OT for decades, and you don't normally see people recover in conventional uh, healthcare. And that was part of my chronic frustration and disappointment and sadness is that I couldn't help people more than, than I could. You know, in a conventional setting, the tools are very limited. Mm -hmm. So then I wanted to teach it, and I wasn't sure how I would get the knowledge to teach it. I knew I didn't know enough, and I wasn't sure how to get it. And then I happened upon an interview that Kevin Gianni uh, from Renegade Health Show was doing with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. And after I prayed what to eat to make the Reiki energy work as best it could, it was Dr. Cousins' book that first landed in my lap. Um, and he's written, I think, eight books now. One of them was uh, Is Spiritual Nutrition. So that was the book that came my way. 
Uh, so anyway, Dr. Cousins was being interviewed by Kevin Gianni, and he mentioned the master's program at the end of his interview. And I thought, oh gosh, I want to do that. And so I was telling my mother about it. I said, you know, I really, really want this training, but it's $17,000. And, you know, I just, I don't know if I'm, I, we can't afford that. And, and my mother said, well, remember that little trust fund I have for you? And I'm like, oh yeah. So anyway, I finished the program and it was 50 books and a thesis study and uh, finished it a couple of years ago. So now I teach, I offer retreats in Azle, Texas, and uh, also do an online three-week challenge that is accessible to anyone anywhere around the world. So I'm really, really happy to be able to teach it. And I'm also really happy that um, after, let's see, I got serious about the diet in 2007 um, and, and definitely got a lot better, but I was still not completely better until I started the program with Dr. Cousins and that was in 2011, so four years later. And part of what I learned is that I was eating too much fruit because fruit can be inflammatory, especially if you have an autoimmune illness. And so he has three phases to his diet. The first phase, um, phase one is really very, very little fruit. You can have lemons and limes. And so, so, okay, let's pause right there about the fruit because this is a really critical contentious issue <laughs> yes, in the yes, community. Yes. So I wanna really like take our time in this space. Okay. Um, okay. So this is a very juicy conversation. First of all, we talked about uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins' book, uh, Spiritual Nutrition, before on an earlier episode where we were talking about water because he has a really interesting section of that book talking about water and the healing mm -hmm, benefits mm -hmm. of water. Um, so I'll make sure to link that in the show notes uh, on this episode. Okay, now, right. when you say too much fruit, <laughs> what exactly does that mean? Are you talking quantity types? Like what exactly does that look like too much fruit? That's, that's a very good question. I, I was drinking, um, I won't say a lot of green smoothies, but I was drinking green smoothies with a lot of fruit. Um, a lot is, like I would say maybe half greens and half fruit, uh, and consistently using a banana and, um, you know, and some dried fruits too. Okay. To me, it didn't feel like I was, I mean, it wasn't like a fruitarian diet where I was eating only fruit. And to me, it didn't feel like a lot of fruit, but if you, especially if you throw the smoothies in, I mean, you can get a lot of fruit in a smoothie. So, um, I would also make, uh, like almond milk with bananas in it and, uh, and dates and that kind of thing. And you know, a lot of raw vegan recipes, especially the desserts are very high in dates. And sometimes I would do that. So it just was kind of off of my radar to even consider that I could be eating too much fruit. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I had gotten a lot better. I was a whole lot better than I had been, but I wasn't completely better. In fact, I was I was uh, to the point where they even debated whether or not to let me into the program because the first part was a 27 day intensive at Dr. Cousins um, Spiritual Nutrition is a Tree of Life Rejuvenation Center. And it was a very intensive program where we walked up and down the hill for lunch, you know, it was like maybe a mile to the cafe and we walked back and it was the hot Arizona sun and it started, program started at like 6.30 in the morning and went to like nine at night. So I wasn't sure, I still was battling some fatigue and I wasn't sure I would be able to tolerate the program. And, and I did, though admittedly I, quit, I skipped the yoga part in the morning <laughs> to sleep in a little bit. But uh, so I, I wasn't completely better. And when I decreased the fruit, and I, I should probably, before I get into that, 
say that now I eat much more fruit than I did then. Um, I'm able to get away with more fruit than I did. So it is in phases. Phase one is very little fruit. It's lemons and limes and tomatoes and cucumber and bell pepper are considered fruits. And so you can have those, but it's basically no fruit. The sweeteners are stevia or xylitol and erythritol. That you're allowed um, that, to consume? Those are the ones that are allowed on phase one. Mm-hmm. And then phase two, phase 1.5, you can add green apples and pomegranate and berries, except for blackberries um, and goji berries. So you can add those fruits. And, and you know, once you go from phase one to phase 1.5, phase 1.5 seems like a breeze. I mean, and it seems so enjoyable. Phase one is doable, and I did it for nine months. I told myself after going to the Tree of Life for the 27 days that I would follow phase one until my lab values were normal because phase one is considered the most healing phase. So I did that, and it took about nine months, and the it's kind of a funny story. Um, it wasn't really funny at the time, but I had been decreasing my medication progressively. I was on prednisone and I was on Plaquenil, which is an amino suppressant. And my rheumatologist, you know, he, w- he was allowing me a lot of leeway and he would type in, you know, okay, raw, vegan, organic, mm-hmm. okay. You know, and I was also taking some supplements, um, Zyflamend, and I don't remember what else, but anyway, he would, he would record all that and he was letting me do what I wanted to do, but he got a little nervous when I started decreasing my medication. And especially when I took myself off the Plaquenil. And so I was already a lot better than I had been. But he, at one of my appointments, he said, um, he said, I want you to at least take the Plaquenil. He was a little, little Indian guy and he had a really cute accent. Uh, he was kind of a young doctor. And, and he said, um, he said, uh, I want you to at least take the Plaquenil. And then he paused. And I think in that moment he was being inspired because then he asked, are you satisfied? And I said, yes, I'm very satisfied. He said, well, I don't like to mess with somebody's plan when they're satisfied. And then he put a finger in my face and he said, but if you're not better next time I see you, you have to do what I say. And so it's like, okay. So then the next time I, I went in, as God would have it, you know, he had me get my lab values drawn before I went in. And so he was looking at my lab results and he said, your lab values are normal. And I said, yeah. And he said, you're not taking any medication. And I said, no. And he said, your, your functional activity is good. And I said, yeah, it is. And, and then he paused because he didn't know what to say. And then he, he said, um, congratulations. You know? And that was the last time I saw him. That was in 2012. So it took wow. me nine months to get completely better. And I've been better ever since. Though I will share a quick story of when I wasn't better for a brief interlude. Uh, We went to look at property in Tyler, Texas, and I was with my sister and my brother-in-law and my husband. And we stopped at a barbecue place because there wasn't really any other place to stop in Mm -hmm. the vicinity. And I thought, well, you know, I I can get a salad anywhere. I'll just get a salad. And so I asked uh, the waitress, I said, do you have any salads? And she said, potato salad. (laughs) So I got potato salad and I got a little thing of beans, just a small, like a, maybe a cup and a half serving, but it did have some ham in it, little cubes of ham that were small and about a cup of coleslaw. And I thought, well, that'd probably be okay. So I had those and then it was kind of a rainy day, which used to be a trigger for my autoimmune thing and traveling in a car, it was about a two hour drive to Tyler was usually a trigger and it was October, so it was a little cool. So all three of those things were triggers in addition to the um, the food, but I had been 
off medication normal for probably a couple of years. I thought I was completely better. But after going out to eat, I went back to the, the hotel room and it was on the second floor and I had a hard time getting from the car to the hotel room. And I couldn't believe that it came back that fast with just that little amount of cooked food. But fortunately, I went back on the diet and in the next day or two, I was, the symptoms were gone. So, mm-hmm. so I'm just extremely, extremely sensitive to, to what I put in my body. And I think a lot of people are, I think a lot of people with autoimmune illness are especially, uh, their mm-hmm. body for whatever reason is sort of hyper-reactive to, to the foods they eat. So bottom line is I'm completely better off medications, able to jog, able to bike, able to carry around my 65 pound granddaughter on my back. I mean, I'm totally recovered. Uh, So, so that's, um, that's my story. That's an amazing story. First of all, and yeah, an amazing transformation. I mean, first of all, just the mental track it takes to get yourself to make these drastic changes and to have a situation like you just said, you know, you feel like you're healed and then you end up in a situation where food options are really limited and mm-hmm. then you get triggered again. Mm-hmm. Um, it has me thinking, like, how are you able to sustain right now? Like, like, what are you not eating and what do you have to make sure you continue eating in order to keep yourself well and not, you know, regress? That's a very good question. Um, now I do phase two. I didn't go into phase two. Um, so phase 1.5, you can add the, the lower glycemic fruits. And then phase two, you can add the higher glycemic fruits, such as pineapple and banana and kiwi and peaches and pears and, and some dried fruits. Though uh, even dried fruits are, Dr. Cousins recommends, very limited use. But now I do phase two and I do just fine with that. I still keep a check on the fruit a little bit. At least I keep in mind that I don't want to overdo the fruit. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have to, you know, if I want a pear, I'll have a pear. If I want an orange, I'll have an orange. You know, I don't have to be super strict about it, but I do keep in mind that I don't want to eat, you know, like eight figs or, you know, half a pineapple or something. Um, so I do phase two now and every now and then I'll have a little bit of cooked food though I don't feel as well when I do. And, um, you know, I get a little bit of, I I just, um, the first thing I notice is my mood is not as good. I feel just not as happy, not as uplifted and um, not as spiritually connected. I feel all of that. I feel kind of foggy. You can relate to that. Yes, you can relate to that. I say raw foods really is like the portal for um, spiritual awakening Like you don't even realize you need it or want it until you experience it. And you're like, Mm -hmm. you know, why would I ever go back? You know, exactly. Yes. No, that that gave me a chill when you said that. I think that is so true. And that's what I tell people too. I mean, my, my brother, I was at a family gathering and I always take my raw stuff and people try it and it's kind of entertaining to me. It's a conversation piece and it's kind of fun to see who eats it and, you know, and they almost always like it. Um, but my brother at a family gathering, he said, Susie, you know, he was eating something. I don't remember what it was. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't have this. And I, I told him, I don't even miss it. I, I, you know, I can have it. I just choose to not have it because I don't feel well when I have it. So, yeah. so you're right. Once you get that high from, from the food, then 
you know, you just don't want to go back. Why would you go back? You're right. You know, yeah. so that's, that's what I do to maintain. And as far as travel, I mean, we've been on, I think three cruises since I've done this diet. And, you know, as you know, you have what's on the boat and that's it, but it's not difficult. I take nut butters and I take um, like um, sunflower seeds and almonds and, you know, usually sprouted and, and dehydrated. And I take a protein powder. I take my herbal coffee to make it's not hard to find produce. I can't always find organic. You know, in fact, I probably, anything on a cruise probably is not organic, but I, I kind of make that exception and I just eat whatever produce I can find. It's, it's not hard to find a salad. It's not hard to find fruit, but it's, it is harder to find the higher calorie, you know, more uh, dense foods. And so I do take the nuts and seeds and nut butters and, and protein powder. But it, it is funny. It is really, I mean, I, I just find it amusing. I don't really know why. But on a cruise, you know, the, the waiter will come around and say, well, you know, what would you, what would you like for, uh, you know, an appetizer? And I'll, I'll just have some fruit. Okay. Or I'll have a salad usually. I have a salad. And uh, okay. And what would you like for your entree? I'll, I'll have this other salad. Okay. And then what would you like for a dessert? And I'll have a, a plate of fruit. Okay. You know, and, and it's very interesting, you know, because, you know, usually we're seated at a table of like eight people that we don't know. And so it always starts up a conversation and it gives me an opportunity to share my experience and to, to share what I do. Yeah. It was really ironic. One cruise I had been reading, uh, John Robbins' book, Food Revolution, and it talked about veal and the horrors of how veal is prepared and just the inhumane, totally inhumane conditions that veal is raised under. Yeah. So I was reading that during the day because I was still studying for my spiritual nutrition program. And then for dinner that night, of course, they served veal. So everybody ordered veal and I'm like, I'm going to stick with my salad. But it, it does put you definitely, I mean, as you know, it does put you in a countercultural position where you're not eating what everybody else is eating. And for some people that's uncomfortable. For me, it never really has been. I don't mind being different as long as I'm right. <laughs> you know? as long as I feel good yes and, and, you know and it underline right. <laughs> as long as I feel good yes right. exactly because yeah. I was just gonna say that I think it's so good that you had support and people weren't you know making fun of you but again you had you know really serious illness they right. saw the healing right. and so you know how yes. could you work against that that would just be not nice no, no. And, and it's kind of like, um, I think people understand, especially my family, who saw me go through this, they, mm -hmm. they understand that an alcoholic can't drink, you know, and they're right. like, okay, well, you just can't have this stuff. And, and that's, um, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as, as you were mentioning a little bit before we started recording, it really is just our natural diet. I mean, it's just when you look at all the other animals in creation, none of them could cook their food, you know, and, um, my husband says that's because we have opposable thumbs, but you know, it's just, it, it's the way food grows. It's the way it's presented. It's just- yeah. we're But monkeys have opposable so, thumbs as well, don't they? Well, I don't know if they <laughs> Monkeys do and apes? They have thumbs. I don't know if they're opposable, but, but anyway, yeah. Um, in either case, you, you know, and I tell people, I'm glad you brought up the other primates. If, if this is the way it works intuitively for me, if I were a zookeeper, and I was in charge of the gorillas, I would not order him a pizza. I mean, it would feel abusive to feed a gorilla a pizza or a hamburger or French fries. It would feel like I wasn't doing my job. And, right. and it's so 
uh, easily to recognize intuitively when I think of a gorilla, but we're so indoctrinated in, in our culture and what we eat, I think it's not as easy to recognize they're a human. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, we're primates too, you know, so... So yeah, but once we get on our natural diet, it's just the fuel that we were meant to run on, and um, and I don't I don't at all mind being different, and I and I don't find it difficult to follow even in difficult situations, other than you know when there's only a barbecue place around. That's really the only place I can't get a salad. Um, sometimes if I, we go out to dinner, I'll take some nuts or seeds to put on my salad, or I'll take an avocado. But almost always, as you probably know from experience, you can you know, I'll have this salad, but instead of the chicken, can you put an avocado on it? And almost always they're able to do that. So yeah, it's really not hard to, it's not hard to follow with, with just a little bit of forethought and planning. It's not hard to do. Yeah. And I, I've never lived in Texas. I've, I've lived in New York, Chicago, the Bay Area, and now Los Angeles, right? And oh, wow. so I've been fortunate enough where there are options you know, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know what, what tech, I have family in Tennessee and yeah, I mean, the way they do salad, it's like, it's the salad is anemic. They just, I think that yeah. like the standard is people just don't know how to really put a salad together where it's a meal, right. you know? So that right. whole concept is kind of foreign, but I think we're getting there little by little with these new restaurant concepts because this lifestyle is getting more and more popular. So it makes me really hopeful and encouraged. Yes. Well, I love that you feel that, that way. Yes, it does. Me too. And I, yeah. I do think you know, truth always wins ultimately. And I, I do think that it will continue to gain in popularity because it, it works. Yes. Um, it is a little discouraging sometimes um, trying to, I kind of thought in the back of my mind that once I finished my training, then I was going to go out and say, look guys, this works. And everybody was going to say, what works? And I was going to say, let me show you. And they were going to say, this is great. And then they were all going to get better. But one of the things I have found is that, you know, it's, People, um, it's almost like um, trying to change somebody's religion or their political persuasion or, you know, something that's really deep and it's, it's very, very difficult to, um, for people to even consider changing. And sometimes people actually, even, even if I'm not preaching it or not trying to push it, they, they get a little defensive, even mm. with me just, just eating the way I eat and um, even a little angry. So it's, um, I didn't expect that at all. It was a surprise to me. Same. <laughs> oh, you can relate. Yeah. Same. We are in company. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was telling you before, you know, my family, we gathered in the living room to watch my grandma in her final days on the gurney on hospice care, right? Mm -hmm. So we witnessed her death. We knew why she was dying. We, we experienced her cries as each of her, her organs were failing. She could feel all of that and feel that pain. And we all experienced that. And somehow I thought my cousins and I and my aunts and uncles were on the same page that yes, food is not worth this, you know? Mm -hmm. But the response has not been that. <laughs> so, you know, luckily I must say God is good because some people are coming around um, because thanks to different documentaries coming out and the research is just, there's more and more research that is just, it's really hard to deny 
facts, even though we're living in the time of fake news and alternate facts, like somehow the real truth is coming to the top and and people are making change. So yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, um, but I totally feel you with that. Like, yeah, we're not, we're not all on the same page and don't all um, have that connection, you know, to just wanting to be well, not wanting to be in pain and, and all of that. Right, right. And I, I have to remind myself that even though I had very direct guidance, you know, when I, after I prayed asking what to eat, I mean, it was very, very clear that that was the answer to my prayer, mm-hmm. but that was three years before I got sick. So if you count that three years and then the seven years it took for me to finally get on board, um, you know, it's 10 years after I knew what to eat that I didn't do it. And so I have to remind myself that, you know, I can't expect yeah. other people to, to, to just embrace it because I want them to. Um, I used to work in chemical dependency as, a, as an occupational therapist. And, and one of the things that most people know about chemical dependency is, is a lot of times people have to hit rock bottom before they're going to change. And so it's the same with, with food. And that was something that yes. I realized after a while that that was what I was going through. I had to hit, hit rock bottom before I finally would make the changes. So, um, so I don't feel particularly judgmental. I don't think of, about, um, you know, when people don't want to, to do this diet, but it does make me sad because I, you know, you don't like to see people suffer. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like to see people learn their lessons the hard way, the way I had to. Um, and that's one of the things I appreciate about you is that you learned by watching your grandmother and you made the changes without having to go through so much pain and suffering. Yes. I don't like pain. (laughs) I don't like pain. So I'm thankful my grandma went there before we got there and she, and you know, my mom stopped the cycle. So Um, we've, we've, we've basically been on this journey together. So it's been great. So you created a program or you are, you practice ancient rainbow conscious healing. If you could break that down and explain what that is, it sounds quite interesting. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. It's another one of my passions. I I absolutely love it. And it really started with Reiki after I had, uh, had learned Reiki and then taught it. I, I just found thought Reiki was just absolutely wonderful. And, and for those of you who may not be familiar with therapeutic touch, it's basically just hands-on healing. It's, it's uh, just putting the, placing the hands on the body in a, in a static posture. You just keep the hands still. And then it's combined with prayer or positive intention. And, um, and it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, it feels very relaxing. It feels nurturing. Sometimes people will feel the hands get hot. Um, and that's the life force energy coursing through the hands that people feel. And we all do it. We all do therapeutic touch all the time. You know, when you think about it, if you walk into a room and a baby's crying in their crib, you're not going to go stand next to the crib and say, well, what's the matter? Well, you know, just be quiet. You know, you, you automatically pick up the baby and you rock it and you hold it. And same thing if you walked into the living room and your mother's crying, you're not going to stand there and say, mom, what's, what's wrong? I mean, you want, you want to go sit next to her, give her a hug, hold her hand, put your arm around her. Uh, so we just do that innately. Uh, and so and what they found, they've done numerous research studies on therapeutic touch, and they found that it helps to decrease pain, helps decrease stress, helps uh, promote wound healing even. And they found better results when there's an emotional connection uh, between the people. Mm-hmm. which um, I 
I practiced a lot of therapeutic touch when I was working at a hospital in Dallas, and I would teach family members how to do therapeutic touch for their for their loved ones, and I would tell them why, you know, partly because it gives them something to do to help their uh, their loved one feel better, but also I told I would tell them about the studies that it works better when you have an emotional connection to the person. But so I was I had had been teaching Reiki for a while, and my one of my Reiki students. Uh, called me one day and she said, I got this flyer in the mail and it's about something called ancient rainbow conscious healing. And I've never heard of it, but the tagline says it's a quantum leap beyond Reiki. And she said, the first one I read that I was a little offended because I thought, well, what could be better than Reiki? And then she thought, well, you know, maybe it's worth exploring. And so she invited me to go to a free lecture that uh, a wonderful woman, spiritual teacher named Lori Grant was giving in Dallas. And so we went, we went to the lecture and I immediately knew after listening to Lori that I wanted to teach it. And Lorraine must have picked that up intuitively because I don't think I said that out loud. And when we were greeting Lori at the end, Lorraine asked Lori, can Susie take all of your classes and then teach us? And uh, so that's what I did. I ended up taking about 13 or 14 classes from Lori. And in that process, I was certified to teach ancient rainbow conscious healing myself. And so now I offer classes in that. But it's a wonderful, wonderful form of therapeutic touch. And it also combines goal setting. So you start out in dialogue with the client um, and use uh, imagery to help them release whatever it is they want to release. And that's the conscious part. You help them kind of consciously set goals and consciously release what they want to release. And then uh, using imagery, they send that off. And then after that, um, you do the hands-on healing. And that's, like I said, just basically uh, laying, laying on of hands combined with, with positive intention and, and visualization. But the results I see, the, the number one result I see is people get very, very deeply relaxed. Um, a lot of times they will go, it, it's hard to tell from the outside whether they're asleep or whether they've gone into an alpha brainwave state. But in either case, they get very relaxed. And sometimes people will see colors, sometimes they'll see images. Uh, sometimes different thoughts will come to them. And uh, it basically helps the body heal on all levels, on mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, um, all of that. That's so that's, that's basically what Ancient Rainbow, it is, it's, uh, it's, I think it's totally fascinating. And, it, and as, I, as I mentioned before, I mean, the way I got into raw vegan in the first place is when I asked, when I prayed, you know, what to eat to make the, the life force energy or the chi flow through the body as well as possible while using the Reiki. And the same principle, of course, applies to, to ancient rainbow conscious healing, which is also called ARCH. Um, and so when you follow a raw vegan diet, that energy flows through better. And that's one of the reasons that we feel so much better when we do raw vegan is because the energy is flowing through us better. And then as a practitioner, it helps, helps us bring that energy better to, to other people as well. Great point. Yeah, as a practitioner. So yeah, this all great points. I love that. And you also do Qigong massage, which I've never heard of before. What is that exactly? Well, I'm so glad you asked about that too, because I'm passionate about Qigong massage as well. Um, and as part of my uh, OT career, I was trained in craniosacral therapy for uh, pediatric patients. I love that. And uh, craniosacral is wonderful. It's, it, and it's a lot like hands-on healing. In fact, that's why I got into craniosacral therapy because it was a lot like 
the Reiki and what I was doing already. Um, but it's a very, very gentle manipulation of the skull and the, the spinal column and um, the, you know, the dural tube that joins the skull or the brain um, meninges to the, to the spinal cord or spinal column, spinal canal that surrounds the spinal cord. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, type of therapy. But, you know, I was working with autistic kids and, and working with kids in general. I mean, they kind of bounce all over the room, especially kids on the spectrum have even more of a tendency because a lot of times they have that hyperactivity component as well. So I was looking for, and I was already a massage therapist at that time, and I thought, well, if I could do some sort of pediatric massage before I did the craniosacral therapy to relax the child enough to then be calm for the more subtle um, craniosacral manipulation, that would be great. <clears throat> so I was looking at pediatric massage and somehow landed on Qigong massage, and it is a wonderful, wonderful modality. Um, the particular form that I was trained in is was designed for kids on the spectrum. It was developed by, kind of co-developed by Anita Singolini and uh, Dr. Luisa Silva, both of them MDs, and both of them trained in acupuncture. But Dr. Silva was concerned because one of her friend's uh, ch child was on the spectrum and she wanted something to help the child. And so she was studying what Anita Singolini had already developed, and then she, she kind of adapted it some, uh, Dr. Silva did. But they kind of co-created uh, Qigong massage, and they started, Dr. Silva started the Qigong Sensory Training Institute in 2008. So it hasn't been, Qigong massage has been around for thousands of years, but this particular form has only been, um, you know, the Institute has only been around since 2008. So it's not well known, but it is um, it's extremely effective. Uh, basically what it is, it's a 15 minute massage. And what I do is I train parents how to do the massage. And it's been studied, on, studied mostly on children under the age of six. So they have done at least one study with older children. It works for older children too, but not as quickly as for younger children. So it's, it's basically you have the child either on a massage table or uh, couch or bed, you know, whatever kind of, or even on the floor, whatever kind of surface the child is comfortable on. And the child remains clothed and the start, starts out, the child starts out on their stomach and you start with, the practitioner starts with patting the top of the head and then going down the spine and then down both legs. And each movement is done three times. There are 12 movements total. So the first two movements are done with the child prone on, on the belly. And then the child rolls over, and then the the subsequent ten um, movements are done each three times with the child on his back. Um, and what I have seen has been, I think, truly amazing. Um, with the children that I've worked with, eye contact improves, speech improves, uh, stemming behaviors uh, like the arm flapping decrease, um, socialization improves, bowel movements improve, sleep improves. It is just incredible how, um, how so many different aspects of a child's being improve you know, pretty dramatically. And what they found with their research, they've done 12 research studies on Qigong massage. And it can be found <clears throat> on the uh, Qigong massage website. It's qigongsensorytraininginstitute.org, so qsti.org. And they have a, a tab for research so people can look up the research. They also have a tab for practitioners. So if people are looking for a practitioner, 
or I think it's maybe listed as therapist, but anyway, you can find a practitioner. But um, they have found with their research that if a parent does the massage every day for five months, there's a 30% reduction in autistic symptoms. Wow. I know, and if a parent will do the massage every day for a year, there's a 50% reduction in symptoms. So, so for them to do the massage, they have to get training, right? Yes, that's that's the best way. There is a book that's available. You can get it at Amazon. It's called Qigong Massage, and it's by Dr. Silva. Um, so that if parents want to explore it, then that is a, a good introduction. Mm-hmm. Though I will say it's it's a lot easier to learn if you have a teacher because it's it's like so many things, you know, like a golf swing or whatever you may not recognize what you're not doing optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, though with that said, if that's the only option for parents, if they study the book carefully, the book used to come with an accompanying DVD. And I think now it's, they have a link, um, at least it, on, it, when you look at the listing on Amazon, I think it says that there's a link included with the book. Some of the parents that I've talked about have not received the link. So anybody is free to contact me if they, if they don't get a link to the video. Mm-hmm. It used to come with a DVD. Now they say it comes with a link, but sometimes that's been problematic. So I can I can share with people the link um, if they order the book. I, I yeah. Would, like I was being, uh, I wouldn't want to share it without them purchasing the book because I, I don't think Dr. Silva would appreciate that. But um, and you anyway, offer training too. I, well, I definitely offer training, and and it can be done um, in person or it can also be done. Uh, virtually. So we can do it via Zoom or whatever other method people want to use. But yeah, I can definitely uh, train people virtually as well as in person. That's super cool. And I mean, it's so great to see that there are all these tools that people can utilize. And I love the spiritual and energetic aspect to it all. Like this has been a really fascinating conversation. I've learned so much. There's just always something new to learn in this world of of health and wellness. So thank you so much, Susie, for being here. Where can folks connect with you to learn more and tap into all this new technology and treatments that are out there? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, My website is healingsynergies.com. So healing and then synergies, both usual spelling, all one word dot com and um, I practice in Grapevine but um, but like I said I can offer the Qigong massage training virtually and I also do the the online three-week challenge our next one will begin on January 4th and I have all the information on my website but the uh, three-week challenge involves two weekly uh, group support calls to answer any questions and provide more guidance and and people just follow I used to do it where they followed a raw vegan diet for three weeks uh, and people are welcome to do that. And that's what I encourage. But if people want to be a little bit more lightweight about it and say, well, I'm going to be just vegan for three weeks, then we can work with that. Or if they say, well, I'm going to be vegan, except I'm going to have meat twice a week, then we can work with that. So I let people kind of develop their own challenge, uh, you know, to, to a great extent. But but I think people get the best results, obviously, if they decide to do completely raw vegan for the three weeks. Yeah. Well, that's great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Susie. Oh, well, gosh, well, thank you for having me on. I I appreciate you so much. And uh, thank you for the good work you're doing.